Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast. My name is Ines Padar, and I'm a spiritual mindset and business coach. The goal of this podcast is to help you use the full power of your subconscious mind to ditch imposter syndrome, raise your vibration, unlock the doors to abundance, and grow a low stress and high income business. So let's get started. Welcome to a new episode of the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast. And today, let's talk about the real reason why we have imposter syndrome. Now, if you've ever wondered why you have imposter syndrome, where it came from, and what to do to heal from it, keep listening. This podcast episode is absolutely perfect for you. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, let's quickly define imposter syndrome, even though there is no clear definition, but there are very typical symptoms that you might recognize. So imposter syndrome is a bit of an umbrella term that describes kind of an overall feeling of feeling like a fraud, feeling like an imposter, feeling that we are the dumbest person in the room or that everyone around us is somehow more smarter, more qualified, more of an expert at what they do, that they know more, that their knowledge or skills are better, or that we're not just, we're just not that special, right? Or kind of any sentence that starts with, who am I to? So who am I to talk about my offer? Who am I to position myself as an expert? Who am I to launch a program and help XYZ? Who am I to aspire to have a seven or eight figure business? Who am I to make more than my parents who worked so hard their entire, their entire life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It also kind of englobes feeling dismissing our achievements and attributing them to luck. So you've just successfully completed or launched something or completed a task or reached a milestone or an objective or a goal that you had set for yourself. And instead of taking full responsibility for your greatness, instead we say stuff like, oh, I just got lucky um, or it's just normal. Anyone could have done it. Now, why do we have it? What are, why are the real reasons why we have imposter syndrome um, and why so many people have imposter syndrome because some statistics say that it's at least 70% of the workforce, uh, so people in who work, so basically between 20 and six, 65 or 70, depending where you live in the world, have reported um, feeling or thinking imposter syndrome stuff at some point in their career, and it's probably more than 70%. The reason why everybody has imposter syndrome, even though it manifests at different stages in their life, is because almost, I mean, I, I can think we can safely say everyone has some sort of, I am not good enough within them, right? And this could be to a greater or lesser extent and show up in different ways. But I would say everyone, I don't think that there is anyone on this planet or almost no one who has never felt not good enough in some specific situation. And when we don't feel good enough in the inside, it kind of pops up as I don't know enough, I'm not qualified enough, who am I to? It's a self-worth thing. And no, no one was born feeling, oh, gee, I'm not good enough, I suck, I just got lucky. When you look at infants or very small children, uh, it's kind of the opposite. They think they're unstoppable. They don't really have that chatter in their mind yet that makes them doubt everything or question everything. 
that when they want something, they scream and ask for it. And they don't really have any sense of I'm not good enough unless, and that's a different topic, it's inherited or we got it at an extremely young age. But usually when you watch children, they kind of, whatever you tell them they can do, they think they can, which means that imposter syndrome is developed rather than something we are born with. And I'm going to give you a few examples of why and the real deep reasons why we have imposter syndrome and a few examples of how you could have developed it uh, at a younger age or at any point later in your life. So when we feel that we're not good enough or that we're not smart enough, it usually stems from a set of circumstances or an event that gave us that message. And especially when we are young, very young, an age between zero and seven, zero and 12, our brain is in a very specific, uh, very specific frequency, so brainwave frequencies, where it absorbs information and remembers information extremely efficiently uh, and permanently. And that is a great thing because it means that when you learn how to walk or when you le learn how to eat or when you learn how to speak or do math or ride your bicycle, you only have to learn it once. When you learn how to drive a car, you only need to learn it once. We don't have to wake up in the morning and relearn everything from zero, which would be basically a disaster. Once a program is learned, it stays in our mind. And when we are young, children can learn way faster because their brain waves are in a different frequency than us as adults. And those frequencies is almost like being in a constant state of hypnosis where information kind of flows in and stays in. That means that if we get messages that tell us that we are not good enough, those messages are going to stay in our mind unless we later remove them un or unprogram them at the subconscious level. So perfect example is having been in a situation where whatever we did, it wasn't good enough. And this is way more fre frequent than some of you might think. So typically... Um, our parents were sad or a sibling was sad or their parents were stressed out. They had a lot of work. Maybe some of them had a physical ailment or a mental, they struggled with their mental health, were depressed or had anxiety. When we are kids, we don't have the intellectual resources to understand as, as adults uh, or as you know, people, we sometimes go through stuff that makes us feel bad. Kids will try to do everything to make their parents happy. It's a natural thing. But as a kid, we cannot make our parents happy if they don't want to make themselves happy. And one of the ways that we get the message, whatever I do, it's never good enough, is having a parent or someone, anyone around us that is important that wasn't feeling that well or was going through a difficult time and us trying everything we could to make them happy. So being a good boy, a good girl, cleaning up our room, having good grades, uh, cooking, cleaning, uh, trying to crack a joke, anything you can imagine. And still, it didn't change anything to their state of being. And the message we get in our mind is, whatever I try and whatever I do, it's never good enough to change anything. And that is a very, very common cause of imposter syndrome. 
Other example is maybe you've grown up with parents that really wanted you to have good grades. And it's not because they're mean parents, right? It's just because they wanted the best for you in your future. And in most systems, good grades equal better opportunities on an academic level. So many parents want us to have good grades, not because they wouldn't love us less. It's just kind of a thing. However, when we are kids, we of course, can't really fully understand that. So when we have an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 or whatever system, grading system you have, and we bring the test back home and our parents kind of give us a disappointed look or just ask us the question, well, why didn't you get better? Or did someone else get better, have a better grade? Or what was missing? Again, we get the message in our mind, I'm not good enough or something is wrong or I really tried hard but it was not good enough, right? So all of that can contribute to this program that goes in our mind that says, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, or whatever I try, it's not working. So I was in that situation. This is a real life example. When when I was um, seven or eight, I was bored to death in my class. Um, I was looking at birds outside of the window. I finished my homework really fast and the exercises in class really fast. So my parents had talks with the teacher and I think maybe the the school director whatnot to move me um, one on the next year, right? So for to make me skip a year um, in the middle of the year because I, I was so bored. So they did. And they said, okay, we'll make this experiment where... We will send you like one week in the class, like the the next grade. I think I was in um, in the Swiss system. I think I was in second grade and I was going in third grade or something along those lines of from first to second. It doesn't matter. I was about eight. And they said, we will do this one week test week. And if it goes well, you can just stay there. Uh, so that's what we did. And I remember vividly arriving in this class where I knew knew I knew no one. All of my friends were in the old class. And the teacher, I remember the teacher vividly. She wasn't a very nice person. She had this very severe look on her face. And they gave us homework. The teacher gave us homework. And I don't know if I had arrived the next day they gave homework. I really can't remember. I was really young. But I knew that I had not done the homework So I remember vividly sitting there and she's asking for the homework. And I know I didn't do the homework because obviously I didn't even know there was homework. And she comes on each tables to check. So I'm trying to look at my like my uh, fellow student sitting next to me to try to copy super fast. And the instructions were uh, read the sentence and underline the verb in the sentence, so pretty basic. But I didn't know what a verb was back then because we hadn't done verbs in second grade yet. And I remember feeling like fear seeing the teacher coming towards my desk and not having done the homework and not knowing what a freaking verb was. And eventually she wasn't mean about it. Like she kind of explained and I don't I don't think I really understood what she explained because I didn't have I didn't have kind of all of the theory behind what they had done or they had seen that the month before or whatnot and even though she wasn't mean I still felt stupid so then the week went on and I think it was a bit tough because like I just arrived randomly in January and all of the students had been together 
since September or August. And then when it was school break, so at lunch, and we had this snack break at 10, I would just play with my old friends from my old class. So I didn't really adapt. Um, and at the end of the week, they said, well, I don't think that, that this is going to work. She should go back in her previous class, which was eventually what I did. And this came up in hypnosis, right? I once did a hypnosis on imposter syndrome. And this came up, this scene came up where I just remembered that when I was seven or eight, everyone thought I was super smart, me included, because I was so bored in class and I had like 10 out of 10s and it was just the most boring thing ever. So they, they made me skip a year and then they kind of gave me this test week and I failed and I was too dumb. And then they just sent me back in my old class. And of course, in reality, that's not what happened. It's just that I was thrown in an environment and the teachers weren't really supportive. They probably didn't want me to be there. But in my mind at seven or eight, the message that I got is you think you're smart, but you're not, or you're not smart enough to be here. So you have to go back to your old class. And that message stuck in my mind, like you're not that smart and how it um, showed up later in life. And it makes so much sense once you understand the pattern. But for 24 years, I had no clue. At university, one of the things that used to make me so mad is that in class, I understood um, everything. And if I didn't, I would just take the book home and study until I understood it. And I would understand things in finance that other students didn't, right? Because I had kind of this obsessive thing of, I could spend two full days on one page of a book and, until I understood the entire formula. And so I had all of this knowledge that many of my classmates didn't have. But then the exams came and I always managed to have average grades because the one topic I hadn't had time to revise was the topic that weighed the, more, the most points at exams. So I made really uh, stupid mistakes. So for example... Uh, two plus three, I would say, is six because my mind had done two times three instead of two plus three, like stupid mistakes like that or mistakes that can be very easily avoidable and it's just under stress or anything. And when I did that hypnosis, I understood that the message or the program that had been installed like a computer in my mind when I was seven or eight is you think you're smart, but you're not that smart. Um, or you are smart, you are smart, but no one can see it or it never ever shows. And so how it manifested when I was at university is that I understood many things at a deeper level than some of my friends. But when it came to exams, which is kind of the ultimate proof of your smartness in an academic level, which is debatable, why, right? It's completely stupid in my opinion, but that's a different topic. When it came to taking exams, Pretty often I got average grades, which perfectly reflected that limiting belief that I'm smart, but no one knows it or it never shows. And I really had an aha moment. Unfortunately, when I realized that I had been, I had, I was done with university. So, oh, well, <laughs> this is like a practical example. Another example that also, I also understood in hindsight is when I started golf, so I played golf at a national national junior level in Switzerland, but I started very, very late. I started at 13 and a half years old. And most of my, like most of the very good players start at anything between five and 10 because national competition starts, you can always already compete at 10 and 12. So I was really late to the party. 
but I managed to get myself at, to national level in only three and a half years, which was amazing, right? I was determined to make it to nationals. And I basically had six months of national competitions between 17 and 18. Uh, played terribly, but that's an, another topic too. Um, but the kind of the message that got in my mind is everyone around me is so much better. Like whatever I do, no, how, no matter how hard I try, and now no matter how hard I train, other people are better, which ipso facto, like when you looked at facts, was true because I was just so much later. Like these kids had started at eight or 10 and I started at 13 and a half. So regardless of how many hours of training I put in back then, there would still be better players than me just because they had more time. But Again, your subconscious mind doesn't analyze the information you give it. So when I had repeatedly the thoughts of no matter how hard I try and train and no matter how like good I become at golf, all of these other people is still better, which was kind of the fact, right? But in my mind, it increased or it worsened the imposter syndrome of feeling, yeah, people around you are always smarter or better. So... This is kind of, these are practical examples of events and memories or stuff that happens in our lives that can give us the message that we are not good enough. Or maybe you were not um, the scholar kind of kid. Maybe your siblings were, were better at school just because we all have different learning styles, right? And also it gives us the message where, well, oh, my siblings are so much smarter than me and I'm dumb which is not true, right? Or maybe we studied something that we're not really passionate about, which was my case. I like finance, but I don't love finance. And because I was never passionate, I never really went above and beyond to, to learn stuff, which gave me the feeling that I was dumb and all of my friends at university were way smarter than me, when in fact they were just more committed because they were more interested. So to summarize, the real reason why we have imposter syndrome has nothing to do with the amount of knowledge or qualifications we have. It's a much deeper thing that very often, not always, but very often starts in childhood when any kind of event happens. And usually it's the people who contributed to forming those beliefs didn't do it on purpose, right? But any type of event that gives us the message, I'm not good enough. So your parents giving you a disappointed look, when I don't know, the, the grades were not what they expected or a family member or friend not going through a difficult phase in our lives, uh, in their lives, excuse me, and us trying everything we could to make them happy and it didn't work out. And the message that we get is, well, whatever I try, it doesn't work or it's never good enough or trying very hard at, at the school play or in a sport, but then the outcome not being the one you wanted and also having this message where, where our mind says, well, everybody around me is better. Those are beliefs that if we don't erase them and if we don't subconsciously understand that, okay, this is a limiting belief, it doesn't reflect who I am, they're going to stick around and no amount of certifications and extra qualifications are going to change anything. It actually often worsens our case because the more we accumulate knowledge but don't feel better, the more we feel like we're kind of a helpless case and that really doesn't help with imposter syndrome. So the way to get out of it is understanding that you are good enough just because you are. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to 
make any amount of money, you are good enough just because you are. You were born good enough, whatever you do or don't do, whatever you achieve or don't achieve, you are unconditionally good enough. And once we can act, feel, and think from that place of, okay, I am good enough, nothing means anything, or nothing means anything in terms of my self-worth, that is when we really find freedom of imposter syndrome. So I hope that you like this episode. Um, I always love hearing your story. So if you can relate to this, if you have your own story of how you feel imposter syndrome might have been born in your mind, I would love to hear from them. You can drop me a message on Instagram. My tag is Ines Padar. Um, And if you want to rewire your mind and permanently smash imposter syndrome directly at the subconscious level, I created a hypnosis that is going to do exactly that. And if you listen to it for 21 days in a row, because that's how the subconscious minds the subconscious mind learns best, your life will change for the best. You will not be the same person in three weeks from now. So you can get it. It's completely free by clicking the link in the description or going to my website, inespadar.ch slash abundance recording. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will meet up in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Now, if you want to experience the full power of your subconscious mind to manifest more abundance and more clients towards you while you sleep, I've got a gift for you. The Abundance Hypnosis Recording. It will help you let go of imposter syndrome and money blocks directly at the subconscious level and rewire your mind to energetically attract and manifest more abundance in clients. This recording has already helped thousands of women let go of deep-seated limiting beliefs and negative blueprints they didn't even know they had. And all you have to do is go to inespadar.ch slash abundance recording in one word. And of course, all of this is in the show notes. So see you next time on the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast.